Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. I'll say it again, because even with those masks on, I should be able to hear a little bit of volume. Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. Good to see everybody here today. Everybody's excited. Kids Bible study started back today. We're all moving. We've got stuff from our Bible study class. I saw balloons come in, Sunday school. It's almost normal. Almost. Not quite, but just a day to celebrate. I hope that you were here for our Bible study time. If you weren't, just know this, that every Sunday at 930 we have a Bible study class for you. Uh, just let us know. We'll make sure that we plug you into one of those. Don't miss out on that. Um, in the way of announcements, number one, if you are our guest, we want to say welcome to you. It is just a special time for us to have people come and join us for worship today. If there's anything that you need, anything that we can do for you, don't hesitate to let us know. We have a wonderful greeting team in the back foyer, and they will be able to point you to anything that you possibly would need. Uh, we just want to give you a chance just to spend some time with God today. We have a couple of things that are going on in the life of the church. Like I mentioned, the Bible studies have started back. But the big thing is, now what's this thing called, Danny? Get up here and tell them. Full-on glow stick jammy jam for Jesus on Friday night. There, this there, week. Is a, there is a reason why I make you come up there because I would never be able to spit that whole thing out. You should, we, we've got a text message where we have taken the first letter of each one. It's almost as long. So uh, we, yeah. So that's this Friday night yes, in the parking lot? Right here. And? There's going to be food trucks. There's going to be Dreamy Whip. There's going to be um, Kona Ice. We've got Taco Oso and Pretzel Fools. And so it's going to be good. There's going to be food. There's going to be 930. It's going to be dark glow sticks. It's so going to be, be in worship. Some. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're Baptist and you focus on the food. But you know what? Let's, let's talk a little bit about the words. No, we're looking forward to it. Should be the cool of the evening. It's open to the community. It's going to be a great time. So put that on your schedule for the week and come up and join us uh, on Friday evening. If you are a guest today and this is your first time, we want to say a special welcome to you. We just want to say to you that if you would take a moment when you leave today and stop by our guest relations desk out in the foyer, fill out a little card. We have a special gift for you for just being with us today, but it give us a chance to meet you personally. And that's so special for us, especially in these days, because we're trying to greet and meet as many people as we can, socially distanced and safely, but uh, we want to make sure that we don't get an opportunity or miss an opportunity to get to meet you. So make sure you do that. As we get ready for worship today, we know that Harold has a great word that the Lord has led him to share today. We know the praise team is ready to sing and lead us in worship today. So I'm going to ask that you join with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity on this beautiful day just to come into your house. And Father, as we gather here today, we don't take for granted this getting together and being with one another. And we come together to worship you, the one true God. And Father, in these days, we ask a couple of things and lay them at your feet is a, just a request. First of all, that you would just be with the ones that are going through this illness and the suffering and ease their pain. The ones that are dealing with issues in their lives, whether it be just being cut off from people and loneliness, because we know that's a real thing, that that's not what you had intended for us in our lives. And just be with them and let them know your presence. Father, prepare us today and every day so we can be on mission for you and we can meet the needs of the people that we get to share with in our community and allow this church just to be a beacon. But Father, most of all today, just take our time that we give you this morning as we sing praises to you, as we read your word, as Harold comes and brings the message in just a few moments. Just take that as a praise offering to you for being the Father and the God of the universe. You know what's best for us, Father, and let us always seek to lean on you for all wisdom and understanding. Be with our leaders and the people that are making decisions about um, the whole community. Uh, be with the ones that are making decisions about school as we start to move into that phase and what that's going to look like. Be with the students as they begin a school year that's not going to look like it normally does. But Father, again, we lean on you and ask you just to guide us and walk beside us all the way. Father, we love you and adore you. And we come to you in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. 
Amen. Well, I'd like to speak for the entire praise team. For those of you we haven't seen in person for a long time, we, it is so good to see you guys this morning. Uh, we want to stand up together. We're going to give you a few minutes to yell at somebody that you don't recognize and tell them that you are happy to see them this morning. Don't move around too much. Of course, there's not that much room to move around, which is awesome. But uh, it is back to normal almost. This whole front pew is empty. So that's just like it looks like. We stand up together and, uh, and yell at somebody and tell them you're happy to see them this morning.
sound awesome it's so good i got i got kind of caught up with everybody singing back at me i'm not used to it so uh you guys were awesome we're going to pray over our offering this morning we are not passing the offering plate uh but if you go out of the sanctuary uh, either door or the center door um the offering boxes are on the back and also we want to let you know at the end of the service let the deacons kind of bring you guys out so we're not jammed up in the middle of the aisleway but we're going to pray over our offering this morning Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, thank you for singing uh, and just being able to get together and just raise our voices in praise. Lord, we just love it so much. And uh, I like getting caught up in that, so thank you for that. Lord, just be with this church and continue to bless it, Lord. We just, um, we're just so blessed even at this time to just be able to get together and, and to have fellowship with one another. Lord, just bless us as we go throughout the week and help us look for opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. And thank you for this offering and the hands that prepare it, Lord. And we just, um, we just thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a reason I can see. There's a reason for this life inside me. One name above all names, Jesus, yes, it's Jesus. There's a reason for this hope. There's a reason for this peace that I know. One worthy of our praise.
Thank you, guys. It's so good to see you this morning, and uh, it is exciting to see uh, lots of folks in here, and uh, wow. So uh, Matthew chapter 7 this morning, and uh, we're going to start a new series. Uh, it's called You Can't Be Doing That, Preventing the Spread of Cultural Christianity. And uh, let me just say a couple things. We're so glad to have you. Uh, we're taking precautions and uh, trying to keep people seated apart and avoiding hugs and handshakes and the things that we love to do. And and uh, we have some guests this morning. We're glad that you're here. And it is odd that I can't shake your hands, but uh, we're glad you're here. At the end of the service, our deacons will dismiss from the, the back to the front, and uh, we'll try to get you out. And, and that's the hardest thing about when service is over is we want to gather out there and uh, we we just uh, we feel obligated to to do all the precautions we can to protect you, and so uh, we'll ask you to not congregate outside once this is over. And uh, if you need to go out in the parking lot and and talk, you can. But we we come in and sanitize this place, and uh, we we want our folks to know if they come, we're going to do all we can to uh, to keep it safe as much as possible. And so we're certainly glad to see you, and uh, so glad to see kids in our classes this morning. Praise the Lord for that, and good workers and teachers, and so just. This is exciting, and I'm excited about this series. Uh, sometimes I'll ask people, do you know for certain that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven, or is that something that you'd say you're working on? And, uh, that, you know, they get all kinds of answers. Some people say, well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I try to live a good life, or uh, I'm good to my neighbor, uh, my neighbors. Uh, I've tried to raise my kids right. Uh, I go to church. Hopefully my good will outweigh my bad. Uh, some will say, I think everybody's going to heaven. Some will say, I don't think you can know the answer to that question. Some will say, I hope so. Uh, some will say, I don't know. And, uh, and so uh, my prayer is that when you leave today, you will know for sure that you're going to heaven. And uh, you'll have a firm foundation, and Christ will know you, and you'll know him personally. And so uh, Matthew 7, uh, I'm going to read verses 21 through 29. I invite you to stand and... I just try to give, you know, if you're wearing a mask and uh, after you sit down, if you want to take that off, you're, you're welcome to do that. And this, uh, this Matthew 5 through 7 is what they call the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is, goes on the hillside and there's lots of people following him. He sits down and he teaches. Uh, he kind of teaches, preaches, uh, Matthew 5 through 7. We're going through this on Wednesday nights at 6.30 if you're interested in that. Uh, but he teaches about so many things, how to be saved, and uh, lots of those things. And, and this particular, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and, and this might be uh, the most sobering passage in, in the Word of God. And so, uh, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
Everyone who, then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Let's, let's pray. Father, you have all authority, and we pray you might speak. Lord, this is such a sobering passage uh, that Jesus would say to some, depart from me, I never knew you. My, my desire this morning is that we would have eyes that could see and ears that could hear and hearts that would be receptive to your word. Lord, if there's a person... Maybe many here that uh, are outside of a relationship with Jesus. I pray that they'll uh, understand that they need Jesus. They need to build on that one foundation that will save us, that will last, that will stand forever. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask you right now to remove any distractions and allow us to hear your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So we're talking about preventing the spread of cultural Christianity, and, and maybe that's a new phrase for you. Cultural Christianity is just terminology that's used to identify people who, who they identify as Christians, and yet they don't adhere to the, the, the faith. Many of them may be working or attempting to live in such a way as to earn a place in heaven. They're, they're trying to earn a place instead of having a faith-based relationship with Jesus Christ. And so just last week, Friday a week ago, there was a survey that came out. It was conducted by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. And it found that American adults today increasingly adopt a salvation-can-be-earned perspective. 52% of Americans who describe themselves as Christians... And so these would be people in our churches. 52% believe that if a person is generally good or does enough good things during their life, they will earn a place in heaven or accept a works-oriented means to God's acceptance. Even those associated with churches whose official doctrine says eternal salvation comes only from embracing Jesus Christ as Savior. Listen, church, you've got to hear this. You cannot earn your way into heaven. Please understand that. There is only one way to be saved, and that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to come to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. I, I just, if you don't hear anything else, hear me say that this morning. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And so I pray that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and that he has changed your life and that you're living in obedience to his word and that you know for certain that you're going to heaven. The Bible says we can know. These things have I written, John says, that you may know that you're going to heaven, that you have eternal life. And uh, listen, so I don't want anybody to be deceived. Listen, I've been praying all week for, uh, for the Lord to save church members who might be lost. And, uh, and so I, I say that. I, I'm going to preach this with love and, and passion today. Uh, my great desire is, is your salvation. And, uh, and so how firm is your foundation? In 24 through 27, Jesus tells about two builders. One's a wise builder because he builds upon the rock, which is Jesus. The other is a foolish builder. He builds upon the sand. And what we're going to notice is that the foundation makes all the difference. And so the first point is just that many are building on the sand. Uh, many are building on sand. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine, and this is Jesus speaking, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And what is the result of building on the sand? Verse 27 says it's going to fall, and great was the fall. And listen, I know some of you are going to hear this morning, and you're going to hear the word preached, and you're going to decide not to respond or to obey God's word. And I just want to tell you up front, that's foolish. If you hear the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ and you don't respond to it, it's foolish. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I want to build on the foundation that will stand the test. Well, good. 
I want to talk to you about that foundation, which is Jesus. Now, maybe you want to say, preacher, how do I know if I'm building on sand? Well, let me just share some sandy foundations. First of all, your profession won't save you. Verse 21, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice they call him Lord. Lord, Lord. Jesus is talking about those who make some type of profession of faith in him. And apparently they're using the right vocabulary. In order to be saved, Jesus must be Lord. We'd all agree to that. And so they profess him as Lord. And so the question is, how could they be so deceived? There are many reasons. Listen, there are preachers and churches and witnesses that water down the gospel. And they say things like, well, if you just say this prayer or walk this aisle, raise your hand, or get baptized, if you just will do this, then, then uh, you don't have to doubt your salvation. You're in. Your ticket is punched. And uh, Listen, church, listen to me. Apart from the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, apart from the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, genuine, heartfelt repentance and faith and evidence of fruit from obedience to the Word of God, I have no right to tell you or assure you of your salvation. Apart from the work of the Spirit, repentance and faith, and obedience to the Word of God, uh, I, you can't come to me and I say, listen, you, you've got it nailed down. Now, now, the Scriptures gives us lots of helps as we evaluate that question. Jesus said in John eight thirty one, if you abide in my Word... If you remain, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Listen, I, I want you to know the truth. If you're abiding in the word of God, Jesus says you're my disciple. Now, the Bible tells us over and over to examine ourselves. Paul says to test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Examine yourself to see if Jesus is in you. But, but you say, well, preacher, I, I prayed the prayer, or I made a profession when I was 12. I, I was baptized. Listen, you can talk the talk. But words alone are not enough to get you into the kingdom of heaven. And I've talked to people who read the Bible, who know the Christian jargon, who know half the words to the hymns that we sing, but they've never had a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ. James tells us that the way we live demonstrates what we really believe. James 2, let me read 14 through 18 to you. James says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, and one of you says to him, I'll go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? We know it's, it's no good if you just say go in peace and you don't provide food and clothing. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Our faith must be accompanied by obedience. Now, people say, well, I believe in God. Well, you're in good company. Verse 19 says, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Listen, being saved is more than believing in God because even the demons believe in that. Listen, faith that does not produce a changed life is a dead faith. And the sad reality is many people, they live for themselves all week long. Many people live for themselves all week long. They shift into faith mode on Sunday morning. They come and speak a little praise Jesus on Sundays, they're comfortable with a little bit of religion. Listen, I am so fearful for their souls because neither James nor Jesus would accept the ideal that profession of faith is enough. Listen, your profession won't save you. Secondly, your production won't save you. So, so many times I say, what do you think it takes for a person to go to heaven? And People begin to rally off some of the things that they've done in life. And I was good at this, and I did this, and I taught this. And verse 22 is, is, is those people. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And listen, just because you do religious stuff does not mean you're a Christian. Look at these activities. We prophesied. We expounded the Word of God, and yet they're lost. Listen, there are going to be many preachers in hell. 
The early group said amen. I don't, I'm glad you didn't, but <laughs> just knowing and teaching the Bible does, does not give you a pass. And listen, Judas was a disciple, but he was lost. And so uh, when I stand before God, I, I'm not going to say, you remember all those sermons I preached and the people that came and the people I, that ain't going to get me nowhere. Listen, I'm saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. I look to Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross to forgive my sins. And that's my only hope. Standing up here is not going to get me any, anything in regards to the heaven. getting to heaven. It's all about what Jesus did for me on the cross. Lord, we cast out demons in your name. That used to be quite popular in Christian circles, to cast demons out of everything. That doesn't mean you're saved. Lord, we've done many mighty works, wonders in your name. Listen, there's a lot of TV evangelists. They're doing many mighty things, and, and people say, what about them guys? And, you know, they roll them in on a wheelchair, and they walk out, and they're doing. Here's what I know. Matthew 24, 24 says that false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Don't be deceived by that. Listen, there are two powers in this world. There's the power of God, and there's the power of Satan. And it is easy to deceive. And we can't judge a, a man's heart by the size of the crowd or by the size of the wonder that they may do. And so listen, our profession won't save you. Our production won't save us. The only way to heaven is to put your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Now listen, Satan tries to convince us we can do it ourselves. If we do enough to somehow qualify we're going to get in. Listen, God is not weighing our, our good stuff versus our bad stuff on some grand scale. And it's a good thing he's not. Because if he was, we'd all split hell wide open. Because even our good things are tainted by our sinful nature and our, our false motives. Let me tell you a third thing. Your performance won't save you. I like to tell about Martin Luther. Martin Luther is the Protestant reformer. Uh, maybe the most, one of the most religious people in, in history. Martin Luther wanted to please God. He wanted to, he wanted to gain God's favor. He decided to become a monk and move to a monastery. And, and uh, he determined to live a holy life. And uh, he, would, he would fast for days on end. And, and uh, he would pray for hours. He almost froze to death when he cast off his blankets to try to prove his love for God. He, he thought that there was some way that he might be able to merit God's favor. He was so concerned about sin that sometimes he would spend six hours a day confessing every possible. I mean, the, the priest would say, go away. Come, don't come back until you have something to confess. Martin Luther said this, I was a good monk, and I kept the rule so strictly that if I may say so myself, if ever a monk got to heaven by his monkery, it was I. He studied the Bible. He lectured on Psalms, uh, Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, Titus. He believed in the deity of Christ. He believed that Jesus died for sinners. He believed that Jesus was going to come back. He knew Bible doctrine. He was religious, but he didn't understand the gospel, and he didn't trust Jesus fully and only as his Savior. And it was not until God revealed to him, as he was studying the book of Romans, the truth of, of justification by faith alone. And otherwise, God turned on the lights, and he read where the just must live by faith. He realized that it wasn't based on what he did, but it was based upon coming to faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And he turned to Jesus and was saved. That's how you're saved. Listen, your profession, your production, your performance, none of that will save you. Let me give you one more. Your presentation won't save you. We come down to the verses 24 through 27, and Jesus tells about two builders, and they built their house. And th this house is a, a metaphor for, the, for their religious lives. And, and both of them built houses. They probably looked a lot alike. They had bedrooms and bathrooms and living rooms and kitchens and, and windows and shutters and a fireplace and, and a well-kept yard. And they, they had all that. They, they probably looked nice, and they might have been built by the, the, the same built. They might have went to the same church and, and sang the same songs. And listen, you can't tell by looking on the outside sometimes. God sees and knows the heart. And what we know is that one of the builders was foolish. He built his house on the sand, verse 26. He, uh, the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And what was the result of building on the sand? Verse 27, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. 
the, you see the rains and the floods and the winds, I, I don't think they're talking about specific storms in life. We're going to have some of those. But I, I think they're summing up God's final judgment. The storm is the ultimate test that every house is, is going to face. Re Revelation chapter 20 talks about the great white throne judgment. I think it's talking about that final judgment. And, and listen, I, God's not trying to confuse you. He has no desire for you to live your life not knowing if you're building your house on the sand. Now, again, Satan tells you that there are many ways to heaven. We say that prayer or join the church or do some good deeds or, or be religious or go to church enough. And Listen, Satan might even tell you that everybody's going to heaven or that hell's not real. Listen, church, Satan's a liar. And he wants you to have the same future that he does. In his future, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire and burn forever in a bottomless pit. That, that's his future, and he wants to take as many of us with him as we, he can. And so we notice here, in, uh, we notice Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Satan wants you to be deceived, but Jesus wants to save you, and he wants to make sure that you're not fooled into thinking that you're all right spiritually when you've never come to him through faith and repentance and had your life changed. So notice 23 and, 22 and 23. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not? And, and again, they, they call him Lord. And they give their resume. We, we preached. We cast out demons. We did many things. And Jesus doesn't deny any of those things. But notice verse 23. I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now listen, I, I don't know some of you very good. I, some of you I do, but I like to cut up and have a good time. But let me just say, I've been praying for you this week. I don't want anybody to hear those words. I never knew you. Depart from me. And so, I listen, I've pounded the doors of heaven for you this week. The enemy wants to blind people. And I've asked God to open your eyes and to save souls. Jesus said, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. You workers or you practice lawlessness. Now, this is a present participle in the Greek. It's continuous, regular activities. And so Jesus says you continually or habitually practice lawlessness. That's the idea of what Jesus is saying. So you profess me as, as Lord, but you practice lawlessness. Those are incompatible. You can come to church and call Jesus Lord and go out there and live like hell. Those are incompatible. Back in verse 18 of, of chapter 7, it says, a, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. person that does not practice what they profess. Listen, you're not fooling Jesus. You can do all those things. Now, here's some good news this morning. As our faith produces fruit in our lives, we can make our calling and our election sure. We, we can be sure of our salvation. God wants us to be. And I believe that even the weakest Christian has some pure longings for righteousness. Now, we're all sinners. J Jesus didn't say, depart from me, you sinner. He didn't say that. We're all sinners. Hear me. We're all sinners. First uh, John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say, we're, I mean, so we're sinners. We know that. But if we confess, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so our fruit really is a litmus test. Our view of sin and our desire for cleansing. Listen, if you have no desire to come to the Lord for cleansing, you have to wonder if you ever came for, to Him for salvation. Now let me just linger here in 23 for just a minute. You workers, you practice lawlessness. So what about the person who is habitually dishonest and deceptive in, in their business or they're, they're hateful and vengeful or they, they, they live in homosexuality or couples who live together outside of marriage or all, listen, any person who habitually practices sin without remorse or repentance better be warned. 
The Bible wants you to be warned. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you're familiar with this. Do you not know? This is 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom? Those who live in unrighteousness, don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Those who live in unrighteousness should not be banking on some perfect. Listen, they, they're not going to enter the kingdom. That's what it says. Now, verse 11 says, such were some of you. We were all that way at some point, but we've been changed by the gospel. But if that describes you, listen, be warned and turn from your sins and run to Jesus. Please. So our profession, our production, our performance, our, none of that will save you. But Jesus tells us how we can be saved. John 3, 3. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again means that God has brought you from spiritual death to spiritual life. Listen, we're all born with the sin problem. All of us, we're all sinners. Uh, if you read Ephesians 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead, okay? You got it. We Dead. Helpless. And the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. Not only were we dead in our sins, but we are separated from God, deserving of punishment. But the good news is, is that Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God who's rich in mercy... Even when we were dead, he brought us alive together in Christ, and he saved us by his grace. Listen, we were dead spiritually, but God comes and brings life through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came and gave his life to save sinners. So I said many are building on sand. The, the second point is just few are building on the rock. And I want you to be included in that group. Verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He who hears these words, listen, the foundation is the word of God. And so Jesus comes to the end of this sermon there on the mount by teaching that the one who wants to be his disciple and who wants to build on him must come and build upon the word of God. And so if you want to build on the rock, you've got to believe upon the word. And that's talking about faith. And we spend a lot of time talking about believing the Word of God. And listen, the Word of God points us to Jesus and tells us how to be saved. And it's not complicated. I don't want you to hear this message this morning and say, well, he's trying to say it's a lot. It, it's not complicated. We say it's as easy as ABC. It, it is. A is admit you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Poor in spirit just means that we realize that spiritually we're bankrupt and we have nothing to offer to God. That's the first step, realizing that we can't earn our way to heaven. We're not trying to merit something. We're spiritually bankrupt. Admit you're a sinner. B is to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an expression of our faith. The Bible says he who is believing, is th those are the ones who are saved. And C is to confess Jesus as Lord. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that, that's important. I don't want you to hear verse 21 and say, well, it's, no, it's not be important to call him Lord. No, it is. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe, church, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. Acts 16 is another good account. You know, uh, Paul and Silas are in jail for... We're talking too much about Jesus, and, and uh, they're, they're singing and, and praising the Lord, and there's an earthquake, and the doors are open, and, and the jailer thinks that they're going to escape, and he, he says, what must I do to be saved? There's something different about you guys. Well, what, how can I have that? How can I be saved? And they said in Acts 16, 31, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Listen, that's not changed. It's believing and acting upon that belief. And so certainly belief and, and faith is necessary for salvation. Now, I said sometimes we water down the gospel. I think where we water down is we don't get to the second point, but build upon the word. And this is talking about obedience. Uh, we've already seen that there are some who, who don't practice what they profess. And so verse 21, they call him Lord. Verse 23, they're workers of lawlessness. And I'm afraid that there are many in the church right there. 
We also find many do not build on what they say they believe. Well, we'd all say we believe the Word, but are we building on the Word? Let me just wrap this up. Give me, give me just a few more minutes. The mark of true discipleship, of following Christ, is not simply hearing and believing. That's important. But a mark of a true disciple is believing and doing. Believing and doing. That's not a work salvation. That's just preaching the Bible. That's part of the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and... Is that all it says? No, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so go make disciples and teach them. The true converts of the gospel are those who hear, and as James 1 and 22 says, they're, they're doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving themselves. Listen to 1 John 2. I'm about done. Y'all give me just a little more time. Huh? 1 John 2, verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him. Whew. We should just cut to the chase this morning and, so, and told you. This is how you can know you have come to Jesus if we keep his commandments. That's just about as clear as it can get in it. If we want to know if we are his disciple, are we keeping his commandments? Verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Well, that's strong, isn't it? The truth's not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Man, that's so helpful. That just lays it out there for us, doesn't it? So to profess faith in Jesus, but not to follow him in obedience, is to deceive yourselves. It's like building your life upon the sand. So listen to me. I want to write this down. The only validation that we can have of our salvation is a life of obedience. The only validation we can have of our salvation is life of obedience. That's the only proof that Scripture really mentions to know if we are living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Donald Carson said, The man who builds his house upon the shifting foundation is likened to the person who hears Jesus' words but does not put them into practice. The man who builds his house upon the rock is likened to the person who not only hears Jesus' word, but also puts them into practice. The difference between the two houses is therefore likened to the difference between obedience and disobedience. And so obedience is the defining mark of salvation. Now, some good churches are talking more about discipleship these days, and that's a good thing. We've got to put more energy into discipleship. We went through this period of revivalism and we tried to make converts and we neglected making disciples. John MacArthur said, follow-up is the hardest when conversion is the easiest because easy conversion is frequently no conversion. The unconverted are indeed hard to follow up, whereas those who have truly come to Christ are eager to learn from His Word. And so listen, church, the wise man believes the word, which points him to Jesus, and builds upon the word, which points him to a life of obedience and fruitfulness. And so as we close this morning, what are you building on? How firm is your foundation? And if you've been building on sand, listen, it might look good on the outside, but will it stand? And Jesus says it won't. But building on the rock who is Jesus. He's a firm foundation. And I want to invite you to build on Jesus this morning. Will you stand with me and just bow your heads? and We're going to pray and have a time of invitation. Now, let me ask you something. Let your heads bow. If you're building on, on a firm foundation, if you're building on Jesus and you know it, would you just raise your hand up just quickly? Just building on Jesus and you know it. Awesome. Put those hands down. If you, if you think maybe you're building on sand, you're not certain what you're building on, would you, would you just lift up your hand just for a moment this morning? Just for a moment. I want to pray for you this morning. All right. Lord, you've spoken through your word, and some have been building on sand. And Lord, you've told us today that profession and production and performance, none of that stuff's going to stand at the judgment. 
And so, for those building on the sand, will you call them to a life of faith and obedience? Lord, we don't want you just to save one or two this morning. Lord, I pray that many will be saved. And Lord, I don't want anybody gathered here this morning, even listening online. I don't want anybody to hear those words, depart from me. I never knew you. Lord, save some this morning. I pray for those that don't have a firm foundation. Lord, don't let the enemy blind them anymore. Don't let them be deceived by thinking just because they're a member of a church or help them not to trust in their own works. Save them this morning, Lord, by the gospel, by the power of the gospel. Save some this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, for just a moment. When Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished. For he was teaching them as one who had authority. Listen, you know, Matthew doesn't record if anybody decided to follow him. Maybe they did. Maybe they said, I, listen, I believe these words and I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. But some didn't decide. And I just want to say this morning, if you've heard the word and you decide not to follow, you're really making a decision. You're making a decision to stay on a broad road that leads to destruction. And I want to invite you this morning to build on Christ, to turn from your sins, to believe upon Jesus, and to build upon His Word. Listen, I'm going to be down front this morning. I, I want to talk to you. I, I want you to leave here knowing that you're going to heaven. I want you to turn today and believe. And I, I want to help you with that. And so as we sing, you respond.
Amen. Will you be seated for just one or two minutes? Uh, I just want to thank you, first of all, for being here this morning. So excited to see you, and uh, especially those who come back with your children. And l- let me just quickly say, I, I love seeing kids out here, and I know they're a little loud sometimes, but praise God. Listen, God it can plant the seed of His Word in them, and if they make a little bit of noise, then we'll just praise God with you, and I'll talk a little louder. But uh, I, I'm thankful. I, I want you to bring them. And, and, and listen, God will do a work in their lives. And so uh, if you're here and, and maybe you got some questions about your faith and uh, this word is, is shook you a little bit, listen, call me. I, I'd love to talk to you this week about your relationship with Christ and make sure you're building on the, the, the rock, which is Jesus. Uh, deacon ballots are due in next week. Uh, there's some out there on the table. You've been emailed those, uh, but uh, prayerfully consider those and bring those with you next week. Uh, next Sunday at 4 o'clock, we're going to go to Burlington Elementary and pray around the school up there. Uh, First Church and some others are trying to get all the schools covered, and so Burlington is closest to us. 4 o'clock next Sunday, and uh, we'll pray around them, and Mike's going to come up and give a little update on our youth and uh, young adult pastor search. I was just thinking about it. If I wanted to wear a mask to church when I was a kid, it would have not happened. Strange times we're living in. Um, I'm with the pastor, not pastor search, uh, student minister and youth pastor search. Um, I want to recognize the ones that are on the committee with me. It's Linda Shunder, Randy Ramsey, Katie Poston, Clint Hoskins, Steve Lilly, and Evan Miller. Um, we've been working on gathering resumes and weeding through those. We've, I think we've got close to 30 resumes. 25 of them were probably valid resumes that we went through. Um, we're starting to limit the number of people, and we're going to start doing in-person or Zoom uh, interviews this week. So I want you to pray for us. Um, this is a spiritual journey. I was telling him earlier, um, you know, we're trying to let God lead us to that person. And um, we can't take all the flesh out of it. If we did, Moses wouldn't pass the background check. And um, we did come up with a few things that we wanted this person to have. So we were kind of looking. Um, we're looking for somebody that, you know, is, is younger, been in church three or four years, started out with 30 youth. Now at a thousand, can't come right away because they have to baptize the other 400. Um, I want somebody that started their own company at 18, sold it for 200 million at 21, and doesn't need any support from the church. And but we didn't get that resume, but we did get some good ones, and we'll continue to work. And I ask you to pray for us as we work on in that. Just uh, just continue to pray for them. It's probably a difficult time, and you're searching for somebody now, so uh, so we will pray for them. Um, just a couple things that I have is um, as we leave, we ask just let the deacons come and get you so that we don't have a giant pile up at the door or over at the thing. Um, Friday night, come out and join us. It's going to be a good time. That's open to everybody all ages, so we hope to see you there. And am I forgetting anything? What? Oh, Dollar Club. Yeah, on the way out, the, the clear boxes on the way out is Dollar Club. Um, we, we ask you to give to that. It's a, it's a good ministry. It keeps getting used. So we would love for you guys to give to that if you feel so loved. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your house. And thank you for, for uh, taking a Bible story that a lot of us l- learned as kids and just applying it to, to what we have going on today, Lord. We just un- thank you for your word being just um, fluid and, and able to fit into every aspect of our lives at any time. We just love you so much and thank you for that. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who, who gives us the ability to, to get to you, Lord, who makes us perfect, and we thank you for that. Lord, just continue to bless this church and, and help us as we leave here to be able to just uh, to be lights for those who don't know you and just to give the opportunity to just talk to somebody about Jesus and what he did for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.